Well, it's good to see everyone out this morning. I'm sure that there are several visitors here today, and we're thankful for that. You're here probably because someone invited you. That means that you're a friend or family, and perhaps you're both. Uh, so we're uh, thankful that they've invited you, and hopefully if uh, they invited you, they're here themselves. But we do have a fairly good crowd, and we're thankful for that. A couple of months ago, I was asked to do an invitation at a singing, and I'd had a song kind of stuck in my head over the last couple of weeks before that. And it's the title of the song. If you'd like to get your songbook out, we're going to read that song in a few moments. It's in, on page 231, uh, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." And that song kept going over and over in my head. And so I decided to start looking up some things about the song. We're going to talk about those in a few moments. But Ben tells me that at Polish in the Pulpit, they had a sermon about this very topic itself. Well, when you have like seven, eight hundred sermons, uh, it's hard to not repeat something. And I didn't listen to uh, Glenn Colley as uh, he taught this lesson, uh, but there's probably a few points that are going to be duplicated uh, in that lesson. But the song goes like this, page 231 if you would like to follow along. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood." Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him, trust the precious Savior, or Jesus, Savior friend, and I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. And then the chorus goes like this, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. I wanted to talk about that song today because it's a very simple song, but it has a lot of meaning, and I believe that it explains us as the members of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, why we do some of the things that we do because we simply trust in Jesus. But the story behind the, this song, or the poem that was written by Louisa Steed, is the fact that on a beautiful day, her and her husband and her daughter went on a picnic at Long Island Sound. They were enjoying their picnic when they heard screams out into the water. The little boy was drowning and was having difficulty getting back to shore. Mr. C jumped up, ran out into the water, and for whatever reason, because a little boy grabbed a hold of him and pulled him under, or the current, or whatever it was, both of them drowned. Mrs. Steed and her daughter stood on the shore as they watched their husband and father drowned along with the little boy. And can you imagine what must have been going through her mind as she witnessed that? 
But that wasn't the end of her troubles. Because over the, the time after he passed away, she became destitute and very poor. And on occasions when she thought that there was nothing else that they could do, she would open the door and there would be food somebody had left <clears throat> on her doorstep so she could eat. And when you think about that story and the life that she had, she wasn't a member of the church. But imagine being able to pin these, this poem that we sing as a song. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." I want to look at that song this morning because I believe that song does a, explains what we believe and why we practice the way we do. You look at the first phrase of that song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His Word." That word sweet. So sweet. That means it's a delight. That it's a joy. It's a pleasure. That we get joy, we get pleasure, we get happiness out of doing what Jesus tells us to do. And as a Christian, if we don't get joy and we don't get pleasure out of trusting God and trusting Jesus, then there's something wrong with our Christianity. There's something wrong with our faith. Because we should get joy and happiness out of doing what Jesus tells us to do. And many times I've had people ask me a question about the Bible. Why do you do what you do? It's very simple. Because that's what Jesus says we're supposed to do. And so we trust Him. We take Him at His Word. Kind of a profound statement that is made there. Simple, yet profound. So why is it important that we take Jesus at His Word? Why is it important that we listen to what He says? Why is it important that we obey what He commands us to do? Because in John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus says, "...the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day." And so Jesus tells us what we need to do. <clears throat> he tells us through His apostles what we are to do. And so we're going to stand before Him on the judgment seat, or on the judgment day, while He's sitting as our judge. And we're going to be judged by the life that we've lived in comparison to the Word that He has given us. And it's just that simple. So why shouldn't it be a delight to know that Jesus has told us what we need to know in order to be saved, in order to get to heaven, in order to worship Him acceptably? Why shouldn't we want to do those things today? John 14 and verse 23, Jesus says, If a man love me, he will keep my words. <clears throat> no, I know a lot of people that say they love Jesus, that they love God, but yet they don't listen to what He says. They don't take His Word, His Bible seriously. <clears throat> they just go about their own life, doing their own thing, as opposed to doing what our Lord wants us to do. When we look at Jesus and the words that He's given us, one of the great examples that we see is in the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in Matthew the 5th chapter, the 6th chapter, and the 7th chapter. Probably the longest sermon in the Bible. <clears throat> but look at some of the things that He says in that sermon. <clears throat> he tells us in chapter 5 and verse 44, "...but I say unto you, love your enemies." 
Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Are we take him at his word? Is it easy to love our enemies? No, it's not. But look what Jesus did on the cross when they were crucifying Him. What did He say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did He demonstrate His love for them? He demonstrates His love for us. And sometimes there's people out there that just don't seem very lovable. But Jesus says, love them. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. Do we want to just take Him at His word? Do we trust Him? Listen to what it says in that verse. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. My friend, we have to forgive. As members of the body of Christ, we are expected to forgive because if we're unwilling to forgive, then guess what? We're not going to be forgiven. And that's very plain to what Jesus said. So do we take Him at His Word? Do we trust Him? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Same sermon. Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So what does God expect us to do? What's Jesus expecting us to do? How you want to be treated? He says you go and treat others that way. In fact, He doesn't say just wait till they come to you. He says you go out and you treat other people the way you want to be treated. And I don't know anyone that wants to be misused or abused, harshly spoken to. And so Jesus says... Do unto others like you would like for them to do to you. Do we take him at his word? Do we trust him? He also tells us in that sermon in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And he goes on to give a parable. Talks about the rich man or the wise man and the foolish man. The wise man heard and did what he was told to do. Foolish man heard, but he didn't do. Wise man was wise because he did what God told him to do. And his house stood firm. Foolish man, he failed to do what he was supposed to do. His house fell. And the Bible says, great was the fall of it. So on a day of judgment, when we stand before our Lord, are we going to be wise or are we going to be foolish? Do we trust Jesus now? Or... Do we think that He's not so sincere? Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus just to take Him at His Word. If you're visiting today, our worship may be different than what you're used to because as we assemble, we sing and we don't use instruments. Why do we not use instruments? I've had letters written to me. I've had people call and ask me that question. Talk to people in person. They always want to know, why don't you have a piano? Why don't you have uh, uh, instruments that are played while you sing? I've had people say, I think that would sound better. Maybe it would. I don't know. But you know what? In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 19, 
It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And so the Scripture says, sing. And on the night that Jesus was instituted the Lord's Supper, what does it say? And when they sang a hymn, they sang. And so it's just that simple. It's not really a big long explanation that I give to people. The answer is quite simple. The Bible says sing. It doesn't say sing and play. It says sing. And I don't know how many verses there are in the New Testament that talks about singing. I believe there's just very few. Seven, eight. But all of them talk about them singing or sang or sung. It does not say anything about play. So we just trust God. We take Him at His Word. That when He says sing, that's what He wants and that's what we do. And later on, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We do that on the first day of the week. Every first day of the week. Why? Because we see that in the Bible. We give. We give back to God. If you're visiting, we don't expect you to give because that commands for those that are members of the body of Christ. We pray. We're listening to God's Word as we are standing here today. Those are the things that we see in the Bible. And so we worship according to what we read. And so we take Jesus at His Word and what He wants us to do. Jesus tells us what He wants us to do in order to be saved. <clears throat> Did we take Him at His Word? Jesus made it very simple when He said in Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. What is that Gospel? The Bible tells us what the Gospel is. In 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 1-4, through that is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious over the grave on the third day. <clears throat> That's the Gospel. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, and verse 16, that I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so that Gospel has the power to save. And see, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And then what? He that believeth, believeth what? The Gospel. And is baptized, shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. We see that practice. Them doing exactly what Jesus said on the day of Pentecost. When Peter has preached the first gospel message on that day, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it tells us, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So they believed the message and then they were baptized. What was that message? Jesus pre- or, uh, Peter preached that Jesus had died, was laid in the grave, and that now He was reigning at the right hand of God. He had risen from the dead. The Gospel. They believed it and they were baptized. And as a result of that, they were added to the church. Philippians, or in Acts chapter 8, and verse 35, we see another example where Philip opened his mouth and began to the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
Now remember the message of Jesus. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What does it say in verse 37? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's really just that simple. We simply trust in Jesus. We take Him at His Word. And we take His promises that He's made seriously because we rest upon the fact that when we do what Jesus has told us to do, we have salvation. The promise of a home in heaven. Look at the next verse. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath a healing, cleansing flood. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 27. It says, And He took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. I'm sure on that occasion, at that particular meal that they were when they instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus did not shed His blood at that particular moment. So the question is, where did He shed His blood? When did He shed His blood? Well, in John chapter 19, we find Jesus hanging on the cross, and so that's the where. In John 19 and verse 33, it tells us when that He shed His blood. In John chapter 19 and verse 33, it says, "But when they came to Jesus, and they saw that He was dead already, they break not His legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced His side, and forthwith came out blood and water. And so it was in His death that He shed His blood for the remission of sin. He shed His blood so everyone could have salvation." Does it mean that everyone has salvation? No. Because we have to comply to the conditions that He's put on it. And that is, for one, to believe. And we also know that He tells us that we have to repent. Luke 13, verses 3 and 5. And as the Ethiopian eunuch that we read about made that great confession, Jesus tells us that we must confess Him before men. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. If we'll confess Him before men, He'll confess us before His Father. But if we deny Him before men, He'll deny us before His Father. And then we must be buried with Him in baptism. That's where we come in contact with the blood of Christ. We don't have a tub of blood back here. That'd be kind of, I don't know, disgusting. But it's symbolic of what Jesus did. And we see a picture of it painted for us in Romans chapter 6. When it shows us in verse 3, we're beginning in verse 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. So when we go down into that water, 
And you can't argue that it wasn't water that they went into because we see that with the eunuch. We see that on the day of Pentecost. They, when the eunuch's case, they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so baptism represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it's in that act that we come in contact with His blood. And we're cleansed from our sin. And we accept that simply because that's what Jesus said. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And so we trust Jesus because it is His Word. And so in simple faith, we are cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Talks about it being a flood. It tells me that there's enough, that there was enough bloodshed <clears throat> that every human being could be cleansed if we would obey His will. That's what that verse tells me. And I simply trust Jesus that what He says is true. <clears throat> verse 3, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. The Bible tells us that. And it's a terrible thing to realize that sin does that. And one of the reasons why it's difficult for people to give up sin. There's a clue that is given to us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. It tells us in that verse, in verse 25 also, by faith Moses, when he came of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I think many people would argue, would not argue the fact that sin is pleasurable. Sometimes it, it it's fun. That it can get you adrenaline pumping. It can get you excited. It can make you feel good for a moment. But sometimes the next day, you don't feel so good. Sometimes it doesn't take it to the next day. Sometimes it's after it's completed. Sometimes people get a thrill out of going against what they know they should not do. It gets, gets them excited. But as it says in that verse, it's only for a season. The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. That He'll hide His face from us because of sin. And that's why Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We need to stop that sinning. And that's what the song tells us. Trust in Jesus just from sin and self to cease. We want to stop. Why? Because we become a new person. When we obey the Gospel, we come up out of that watery grave of baptism, it shows us that we are a new creature. That old man of sin is crucified. We don't want to continue to do those things. Why? Because that's what got us lost in the first place. So we want to be cleansed. And we want to cease from sinning. In Acts 22 and verse 16, it says, Now why tearest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And so we cease to sin. We don't want to sin. doesn't mean we're perfect. 
We still will sin. And that's why God made a way for us to come back, make things right if we're a Christian. Because He tells us in 1 John chapter 1, and verse 7, that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. So as a Christian, I'm trying to walk in the light. I want to walk in that light. And while I'm walking in that light, sometimes I stumble, sometimes I fail. But I get up, and when I do, I confess that sin and ask God to forgive me. But that blood will continually cleanse me in that condition. Now, if I start to walk in darkness, then there's a problem. And there's a big difference in struggling or striving to live in that or walk in the light without sinning as opposed to walking in darkness and just continuing doing those sinful things. Big difference. But when we're in the walking in the light state, that when we sin, when we confess that sin, ask God to forgive us, He's faithful and just to forgive us. But we need to avoid sin. As Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And so we trust Jesus to help us to cease from sin. But He also tells me, as it talks in that song, that we are from sin and self to cease. He tells me that it's not all about me. We live in a society sometimes referred to as the me society. That it's all about me. But Jesus said, it's not all about me. <clears throat> in fact, in Matthew chapter 16, and verse 24, then said Jesus unto His disciples, if any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Deny self. Hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes we would rather be doing something different than what the Lord wants us to do. So it's hard sometimes to deny self, but Jesus tells us to do that. Deny self. And as we progress in our maturity as a Christian, sometimes that gets easier. But He also says to take up your cross. And that tells me that living the Christian life isn't always going to be easy. There will be times that people may make fun of us and ridicule us and laugh at us, do all kinds of things to us because we're a Christian. Sometimes we may want to fit in and we're just not going to be able to do that because we know that what they're doing is contrary to God's will. So we deny ourselves. We take up that cross and we follow Jesus. Another song that we sing, where He leads me, I will follow you know, sometimes as Christians, we don't want to go where Jesus wants us to go. <clears throat> it's hard to do sometimes. But remember what the song points out. That we can have life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Matthew chapter 11, and verse 28, beginning... Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. My yoke is easy, and My burden is light. <clears throat> Jesus promises us life. He promises us rest. But He also promises a peace of God that passeth all understanding. So we have peace. Peace is the fact that we know that we're living our lives according to God's will. 
that we are serving Him, that brings us comfort. So that's what God wants for us. Life, joy, and peace. Last verse of the song. I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. I think that's a very important point. Trust isn't something that just happens. But we have to trust Him and we learned to trust Him. And the chorus is going to explain some of that because we prove Him over and over and over again. We look at what the Bible teaches us and we can put it into practice. Jesus said it was more blessed to give than it is to receive. Put that to the test. Go out and try that someday. See if it's more blessed to give than to receive. For one, it means that you have it and you can bless somebody else with it. And so you're blessed and they're blessed. But there are many times that you go out and you help someone and you come home and you just feel so good because you know that you did something good. And that's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. So put that to the test. See if loving your enemies is better than just being angry and hating them, being bitter inside. See if forgiving someone, put that to the test as opposed to harboring that grudge. You see, when we put God's Word into action in our life, we can prove whether or not He can be trusted. You see, many times we, we say, ah, He let me down. He didn't do for me. You know why? Because many times we're not doing what we're supposed to do. We don't really trust Him. We don't take Him at His Word. We try to mold Him mold God into what we want as opposed to molding ourselves into what God wants. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior friend. You see, Jesus will be is our Savior today. He is our friend because He laid down His life for us. He gave His life so that you and I could be saved. And I know that Thou art with me will be with me till the end. We don't like to talk about the end. Many times people don't want to think about the end. But as a Christian, the end of this life isn't something that should be a disappointment. I've heard many Christians say, I'm looking forward to that day. And they really mean it. They're not talking about taking their own life or anything like that, but they mean they really look forward to the day they pass from this life into the next. I've been in a lot of places when people have died. I've seen it more times than I would like to have seen it. I've seen rooms full of family and friends while the person passes away. Been to somewhere no one was there. <clears throat> but it's always easier when someone is prepared for that day. And the fact whether someone's there or not, we have a friend that will be with us until the end. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this to judgment. 
First Corinthians the fifteen chapter and verse fifty four. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, when you have Jesus in your life, when you trust Him, when you do His will, you don't have to be afraid of death. That's just a door that we step through from this life to the next. Romans chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, What then shall we say? Or shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Who do you serve? Who are you the servant of? You see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses verse 18 and 19, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed by corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We've been redeemed, those that have obeyed the Gospel. Those that have listened to what the fact that Jesus died for their sins and believe what the Gospel taught about Jesus and that He is who He claims to be. And put their faith in Him and repented of sin and confessed His name and been buried with Him in baptism. We can look forward to that day because Jesus gives us the victory. And that sting of death is swallowed up by that victory that Christ gives us. He is precious. He is our Savior. The course goes like this, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him. How I proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust Him more. You know, there are times that all of us struggle with our trust in what the Lord tells us to do and how He wants us to live and how much faith we're supposed to have in Him. But that's what we need when we see that He's proven Himself over and over and over and over again. It should give us comfort to trust Him even more. He is our friend. He is our Savior. The question is, are you His friend? Jesus says, Ye are My friends if you do whatsoever I command you. And in Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 5, he says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Jesus won't leave us if we're faithful to Him. Until the end, we can be faithful. And when that end does come, we won't walk through that door alone. Our Lord will be with us. My question asks the question, do you have that much trust in Jesus? I ask you, have you put your faith in Him? Have you been obedient to His will? Or are you still struggling wanting to do what you want to do as opposed to what God's Word says you must do in order to be saved? You can be buried with our Lord in baptism this morning. We have water. We have clothes. We have all things ready. 
Maybe you haven't lived as you should. Maybe you haven't trusted Him like you should. Maybe you haven't taken Him at His Word. That's a simple fact. God's Word is there for us to know what He wants us to do and how He wants us to live. And so this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.